0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 23rd of February, 2021. We are already on Tuesday. We're walking into this week. It is 5.30 in the morning here. Sometimes it's hard for me to believe. I've been up for two hours, and I'm probably ready for lunch right now. So it's kind of funny that sometimes I'll wake up so early because I get so excited to start my days that – I love to start them when everyone else is asleep and it gives me time to think and to write. And today's show, there's a lot to think about. There is so much behind, not only overprotecting our children from what we faced in our childhoods, but it forces us to look at our own child, excuse me, our own childhood. Because think about what it takes in your mind. Let's say you don't have children. You don't have children. You're still a child of a family. And even though you don't have children, we all might think from time to time, well, if I have kids, I would never do that, whatever that is. So Maria asks the question, As parents, most of the time, I think that we try to avoid what we believe as mistakes from our own parents. Please, can we talk one day about protecting our children? So there is something we all thought about. We all have taken pains to do differently from how we were raised. But what we forget is that we were raised at a different time. So how we were raised may be different for our children. So now Maria writes in the chat, Thank you, Nadia, for the show. Even when our parents taught us how to be strong in life, and today we are happy people, none of us have repeated some pattern from our parents, but in some way we became overprotective of our own children. I can see this is not fair in our children, and in ourselves. Well, the thing that's most important about this is you don't want to raise someone to be frail, not be able to face reality. All of our lessons prepare us to transition from a family, which is a safe unit, into a world which is unpredictable. But how do we do that Because we don't want our kids to feel pain. We don't want them to hurt. We don't want them to fail. But we hurt. We felt pain. We failed. We can teach them those things just by prioritizing happiness. Are you happy with your decision? Are you happy that you tried that? If you run into a bump, if you think I can help you, come and ask. Because the most important thing we can do for any human being is not to take away the fight. They need to be able to struggle to mature. Just facing and then overcoming Tough spots in life makes them feel strong enough to handle whatever is ahead of them. Something that opposes them. Someone who has a different opinion. Something they have to work hard for, longer for. Otherwise, they will never know what their dreams are and what their passion is. They'll just do whatever you tell them because... They don't know how to match resistance. It's normal in us for what, to want to remove those issues from in front of them, but it is not in their best interests. There were things that I did not introduce into my children's lives because as as a child I knew there wasn't any good to come out of it. And it wasn't even what my parents did. It was what our community was doing. The old Arabic Muslim community in Chicago watching each other, pretending they're perfect and nobody talking about reality. And you just know it wasn't right. So I made a commitment in my mind and heart that I was not even going to begin to raise them with that in their mix. And it happened naturally. It was just my intention for that to not happen, not because I didn't like the community. I loved and continue to love the community. What I didn't like was the added pressure that the community put on my life and my decision-making because I was strong. I was strong enough to see that that wasn't working for me. The byproducts of what the community wanted from each one of our lives was to shut up and conform, not make waves, not be seen, not be called by my first name, whatever it was. I just outgrew it at like 12 years old. So why would I take it with me and give it to my kids as an adult if I outgrew it? So fast forward, my kids never saw that. I ended up living in another state, about 2,500 miles away from where I grew up. They never saw the whole community thing. And then one day I went back and saw everybody in a big cluster, and I said, gosh, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing by keeping my kids out of the mix of this community pressure? But then I asked myself questions like, did I teach them to be independent? Yes. Did I make them figure things out and then come to me? Yes. So what did I really do? Did I just take away what my parents did? Well, I took away their involvement in our community. Will it be better overall in their lives or not? I don't know. I asked them, they told me that they're glad, but they don't know what it's like to have been there. So a decision I made for them as a parent, we just won't know, but I do know that they are happy. They do prioritize happiness over everything else. They're not scared of challenges. They do walk into something that might be painful. They're not scared of failing. They're more scared of not trying, which is a huge difference. Think about that. They're more scared of not trying than failing. That's when you know dreams. That's what dreams are. Because it is super easy to say, oh, my God, I have this child. How will they go out into the world? I can't let them do this and I can't let them do that. and that. Oh, my God, I don't want them to talk to those kids. And I don't want, oh, geez. And you get into this whole world. Like you say, you can see that it's not fair. But what happens when we overimpose safety on anybody? They start to hide what they're doing from you. Not because they can't handle it, but because they think you can't handle it. How ironic is that twist? When the kid you're protecting has to hide from you their lives because you can't handle their lives being full, being challenged, being risky, taking chances possibly failing. So when we ask the question, are we protecting our kids or overprotecting them from what we faced? Is really, are we protecting our kids from reality or are we preparing them for life by hiding them from what we perceive as hurtful, painful, a challenge, and we want to do everything for them because no one did anything for us. We didn't get the toys we wanted. We couldn't join the clubs we wanted. All the way to maybe people in our family that weren't good to us or violated us. From that, that's a different protection because that goes unspoken. You don't tell your kids. You might tell them, hey, if anybody does this, 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 or this, you call 911 on them. Some countries don't have 911, but you go get help, even if that person that's doing that is me. These things are not okay under any circumstances. And I had to teach them about strangers. Well, how do you know who's a stranger? Strangers come up when they're on on the hunt for someone. They're going to act like your kid's best friend, right? How else do they get these kids? So I told them, a stranger is someone that you never saw me talk to. That's who a stranger is. I don't care if they know your name. I don't care if they give you anything. If you never saw me talk to them, This is as a child now. You have to make it simple. If you never saw me talk to them, you don't know them either. They may be nice to you, but you don't know them. Look at their face. If you never saw their face before, you don't know them. Because there's realistic protecting. And then there's that imaginary cushioning from the world's blows. that question, Maria you immediately brought to my mind something that happened to me when my kids were 9 and 7 years old. And that day, it was February ninth, 1999. And that day it was raining in Southern California. It was 4.30 in the afternoon. And I was at an appointment in Beverly Hills, which is about a 45-minute drive from Pasadena, and I needed to get to pick up my kids from daycare by 6 o'clock or they charge you like $5 a minute or something like that. And after 15 minutes, they take your kid to the police station and you have to go get them from there. So now you look really negligent and awful. So what happened was, after I finished the appointment, I was training some people to use their communications equipment. I gathered my things and I went out and it was raining and I had to cross the street to get to my um to get to the valet to get me my car. So I go to run across the street and I get hit by a car I just get hit. The car picks me up, throws me on the ground. I remember being on the ground thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to be one of those people in a wheelchair now. I couldn't imagine getting hit by a car and walking away. But the truth was there was a, a lady, a big lady, with a uh, one of those stickers on about how high my name is, like they were at a hotel convention or seminar all day. And she came above me while I was laying on the ground. And she said, girl, there was an angel over you. I saw it. There was an angel over you. And she kept repeating that. I remember looking up at her and going, oh, wow. I mean, this is pre-Christ. This is before I saw Christ. So when she said that, I'm like, oh, thank God. And I got up. I got up. And I started walking in circles, so I must have gone into shock, and I kept saying, I'm okay, nothing's broken, I'm okay, nothing's broken, and I just repeated that. My stuff was all over the street, my papers, my purse, everything that wasn't on my body flew away from me. They put me in a chair, they drove me home, on the way home, before going to a hospital, because they were going to take me to the hospital, and I said, no, my kids have to see me, they cannot care or not know, unless they see me, they're going to be scared. So they take me to the house first. I get to the house. On my way to the house, I call a friend of of ours to please go pick up my children from school. And he's the one on the emergency list. So he goes, and he goes to pick up my kids, and he brings them home. I get home. They're in the driveway waiting. By the time we get there, I can't remember my own children's names. I'm calling them by my old brother and sister's names. And for those of you who heard this story before, bear with me. After I called him to go pick up the kids, I started thinking, what if I died today? What did I teach my children? will they live without me I do everything for them everything and my son's autistic who will will take care of him what did I teach him to do and I had this fright that my kids were not ready to be in the world that we live in and that day I Before I even got home, I made a commitment to myself to get out of the way raising them. I made a commitment to teach them to be full-functioning people. They're not my people. Like Khalil Gibran said, your children come through you, not from you. They come through you, not from from you. You don't own them. And I was treating them like, these are my babies. Are you kidding? But my babies were now nine and seven years old and one of them has autism. I made a decision that day not to tell my son he was autistic. Because I thought, if he thinks he's at a disadvantage, how is he going to make it? I looked at my daughter and I thought, what will her life be like if I don't give her strength, if I don't teach her strength, if I don't show her strength? And from that day on, I pushed them to learn and experience anything and everything they could. Down to the point where my daughter wanted to go to Europe and hike from from I can't remember where she was in France, Lille, France, all the way and do that El Camino walk with some friends. I helped her raise the money for it. I helped her go. I helped her with the money. Her dad helped her. She went for four months, and she did do the hike. <laughs> she did do it, 500 miles of it anyway. And she came back a different person. We have to give our kids life because that's what they're going to live without us. And we are not going to outlive our kids if things go naturally. If there's anything I would teach parents, and I had this talk with my kids a thousand times over, I need to be able to put you in the center of New York at the time. I was thinking that. That was like my most you know, maybe busiest, weirdest place to put them and have them be able to navigate themselves. That was my big line. You need to be able to drop you in New York and you need to be able to know what to do, where to go, how to take care of yourself. I needed them to be independent thinkers, not dependent on me thinkers. Because if I'm out of the mix, who do they have? Who's going to think for them? who's going to do everything for them. Until now, even though my daughter's going to be 31, it turns out this Saturday, and my son is going to be 29 in June, now I'm teaching them things that are fun to teach them, like cooking. My daughter's teaching me gardening and you know, my son is like this critical, crazy thinker, and he's he's got a, a head on his shoulders that I can't even believe. And he thanks me for not babying him, but I was full on on my way to babying him and my daughter. But I would not have prepared them. So I was both parents. I was that little protector. When I first got divorced and needed to drop them off at their dad's house, I used to sit in the car and cry prior to that accident. I would one, going to miss them, but two, I was going to be like, how are they if I don't do this for them and that for them? Does their father know? He never really paid attention. I mean, how is he going to know what to do? Well, they all figured it out without me, another sign that they are not mine, I don't own them, my job is to prepare them, so if we can change the word protection to preparation we can allow our kids to turn around and say wow, once they have their own kids That took a lot out of my parents to teach me that. Because the more we try to protect that overprotection, the less our kids are going to share with us. And I guarantee you they're still going to do whatever it is you don't want them to do. They're just not going to tell you about it. They're going to rebel or they're going to succumb. And always need someone to take care of them in place of you when you're not there. And it may shape their decisions into choosing people, not that they may be in love with or love, but people who they feel will replace their parents because they don't have the skills to face challenge. If we are running anything With fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, we are not running it with pure love. We are running it with fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt. It's funny, my parents taught us from the beginning. I mean, talk about the school of hard knocks. We lived in a crazy neighborhood where kids got beat up by other kids. And that was in the 60s, alive and well. I remember a kid coming, his name was Carol, and telling my brother he will protect him. I was in kindergarten and my brother was in first grade being told he was going to be protected in that neighborhood. I went home one day. My mom forgot the door open to the house, believe it or not, and a dog came in and she's super scared of dogs. And until we got home from school, my mom and my sister were locked in the bathroom with the front door open and the dog in the house. So in the beginning, even though my parents tried to protect us, they couldn't control every circumstance. Nobody can. But what we can control is teaching people how to face challenge. And preparing them for a world that we may not be in. Because we do it trying to keep them from seeing, feeling, touching anything that we think will be negative, yet, in reality, negative exists, right? We we embrace those things that, you know, if our kids don't know failure, they'll only know success. But if they have an opportunity and you talk to them about risks, about failing, about passing, about how they'll feel about it, about doing their best, trying, giving it a shot, you're going to build that emotional muscle that they need And that they will live to tell about it after that disappointment. Because disappointment will teach them more more than being happy. If something happens at school and, I don't know, their teacher may have done something or embarrassed the child and the parent goes in and blows up on the teacher... Now the kid's like, well, if anything goes wrong, my parents will take care of it. But what if you had your child talk to the teacher and say, hey, you know what? That was, like when you said that, that was embarrassing. Could you have done that privately? I don't mind you calling me out on stuff. But could we do it in a different way? They've just learned to solve any situation in their lifetimes. So is it fair when you say you can see this is not fair, but yet we do it because of fear? Two different fears, right? Something that is not fair is done because of fear. We don't have to repeat our parents. We can't. I can't repeat my parents. Because my kids walked into the world of technology in the middle of their childhoods. And until now, they can whip circles around me when it comes to technology. And you all know what you can do on the Internet. We all know how much trouble someone can get in. We all know what can happen on Facebook before there was an Instagram and before there was a Twitter, even down to bullying. We all know that there's kids I know, my my sister's kids, my nieces and my nephews, who sleep with their phone in fear, even while they are asleep, that they will mix a group text from the group of friends they're in. We don't even get that. But they do in a different way. So there's some things we can't repeat. But one thing we can do is prepare them for any challenge because then when that's a challenge, they'll say, but wait, my sleep's really important. You guys, I won't be talking all night in the middle of the night. I'll see you guys in the morning. And they may set the pattern for that to happen, but they're learning to solve, learning to communicate, learning to ask for what works. I really hope this helped with your question. If not, let me know, and we'll go into it a little bit further. Parenting has never been easy, even with repetition. So let's try to teach our children to be able to be people in the world that they live in. I love you guys, and I will see you tomorrow on Relationship Wednesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.